Josh. I'm one of the student ministers here, if we haven't met. Uh, and some of you have been wondering why I'm not in New Zealand yet. Uh, this is my last Sunday here, and then I'll be away for a month. I'll be back at the end of January, and I look forward to coming back and seeing you guys. Um, but this is our last Sunday, so if you don't see us the next few Sundays, that's where we are. We're in New Zealand, uh, escaping the heat. Uh, we just moved last week on Saturday, you know, one of the hottest days, 38 degrees. We decided it'd be a good time to move on that day, um, so we're looking forward to getting to a cooler place. Um, but keep your Bibles open there, and I might pray as we get into God's Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word, and we thank you that it points us to Jesus, the Son of God, the one who has come to heal all our sicknesses. Lord, help us to see him clearly this morning as we look at your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Sickness. Today we're going to meet two men overwhelmed by sickness. One man's son is about to die, and another man has been paralyzed for 38 years. Sickness plagued the world when Jesus walked this earth, and it still plagues our world here today. About three years ago, my son Michael was born, and like any birthing situation, it was intense. Uh, but thankfully, Michael was born healthy. Uh, he has good weight, had 10 fingers, 10 toes, all was well, uh, until about 12 hours later at midnight, when he started to have a raging fever. He was wheezing, struggling to breathe, and it became clear that something was clearly not right, and so we rushed from the birthing center to the hospital, and when we got to the hospital, they loaded him up with wires to monitor his situation. They put breathing apparatuses on him so he could help him breathe. Uh, Michael was clearly unwell, and it was a terrifying time. It was rather scary. Uh, and eventually, thankfully, we managed to find out what had gone wrong. He had group B streptococcus. Uh, he had pneumonia in his lungs. He had septicemia in his blood. He had got this as he had came, come out. Um, and so he got sick in the past 12 hours. It was a very scary time for Elizabeth and I. Uh, thankfully, due to the early pickup and interventions, uh, Micah was able to make a full recovery. But I remember along the whole journey of it, a lady said to me, uh, somewhere through it, she said, welcome to the life of a parent. Welcome to the life of a parent. What she meant by that was that this wouldn't be the last time that we would worry cry and pray about Micah's health. Welcome to the life of the parent. Micah had fully recovered, but recovery in this world is only ever temporary. We recover until we get sick again, until one day we no longer recover. And so like these men in our passage today, we have the same problem. Either we are sick today or we know someone who's sick, or one day we will be sick. And so we must ask this question, who can heal our sicknesses? And of course, you might say, well, medicine can heal my sicknesses. Medicine, the quality of medicine today is incredible. Uh, my father-in-law just had a hip replacement about two days ago. I've got a friend going through her final cycle of chemotherapy. So you might say, well, medicine can heal my sicknesses. But even medicine, recovery there is only a probability. And even then, if recovery happens, it's only temporary. Now, we're still left with the same problem. Who can heal our sicknesses? And in our passage today, we see the answer. We see that only Jesus can heal our sickness forever. 
Now, our passage today comes in John's gospel. John was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, one of his 12 apostles. He lived alongside Jesus for three years. He was practically housemates of Jesus. And at the end of three years of living alongside Jesus, John concluded that Jesus is God. Now, that is amazing in itself. I don't know if you've ever lived alongside someone for many years. Uh, Before I was married, I had some housemates. We lived alongside one another. It was a lot of fun. But we also saw one another's imperfections. We saw grumpy wake-ups. We saw chores left undone. I think housemates are more likely to to consider one another the devil rather than God. But John, three years living alongside Jesus, he concludes that Jesus is God, and he writes this gospel that we read so that we would be convinced too. Last week, we saw Jesus turn water into wine, or at least the week earlier, when Josh brought us John chapter 2, we saw Jesus turn water into wine. But Jesus can do more than just throw a great party. He can heal our sicknesses. So come with me to John chapter 4, verse 46, where we see a household healed forever. That's our first point, a household healed healed forever. Verse 46. Then he, Jesus, went again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. There was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and heal his son, for he was about to die. So we see the situation here. Jesus enters Cana. This is where he's previously turned water into wine. And this royal official has obviously heard about this miracle. He's heard that Jesus can perform miracles. And so he travels from Capernaum to Cana to get his son healed. This man wasn't looking for religion, and he wasn't looking for a savior. He was just looking for a miracle worker, someone who could heal his son. But how does Jesus respond? Look at verse 48. Jesus told him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will, ne- you will not believe. What's going on here? Jesus seems rather harsh, doesn't he? This man's just doing what any loving father would do. If your son is sick, you're trying to get him healed. So he comes to Jesus, the man who can heal him. But read verse 48 closely. Who is Jesus speaking to there? Verse 48 says, Jesus told him, but Jesus also says, you people. Jesus is both rebuking the crowd around him and the man himself for just wanting signs and wonders. These people are treating signs and wonders just like miracles. Something that's amazing, but that has no greater purpose than the miracle itself. These people want a magician, not a savior. But Jesus doesn't do miracles. He does signs. And his signs point to something greater than the miracle itself. It points to his divinity and how he'll restore creation forever. Jesus doesn't do signs so that people can be healed temporarily. He does signs so that people can be healed forever. But this man is persistent. Verse 49, Sir, the official said to him, Come down before my boy dies. Go, Jesus told him. Your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. 
Amazing, isn't it? Jesus grants this man's request. What does he? Look again at verse 49. The official asked Jesus to come down to Capernaum to heal his son. The official couldn't imagine Jesus healing his son in any other way. A doctor has to be in the room to heal his patient, so surely Jesus has to be next to his son. He was asking for him to come down to Capernaum. But Jesus, without even seeing this boy, says his son will live. Jesus doesn't perform a sign yet. Jesus only offers his word. Previously, Jesus accused both the crowd and the man that no one believes unless they see a sign. Jesus is testing the official. Will he believe him? Will he be like the crowd who's constantly asking for more signs to believe? Or will he follow the signs that he's already heard about? He knows that Jesus can do this. He's heard about what he's done. Will he follow those signs he's already heard about and believe in Jesus himself? Amazingly, the official believes Jesus' words, but he doesn't believe in Jesus himself. He only believes that Jesus' word, that his son will be healed. And the question is still, will will Jesus' word come true? Is Jesus' word trustworthy? He said it, sure, but will it happen? Verse 51, while he was still going down, his slaves met him, saying that his boy was alive. He asked them at what time he got better. Yesterday at seven in the morning, the fever left him, they answered. The father realized this was the very hour at which Jesus had told him, your son will live. Then he himself believed along with his whole household. This, therefore, was the second sign Jesus performed after he came from Judea to Galilee. The official hears that his son is alive, just like Jesus said. But this man is like us. He's skeptical. He doesn't have blind faith in Jesus. He's wondering, is this just a coincidence? Did he just, like, coincidence that my son got healed at a similar time? So he asked him exactly when the boy got healed. But there was no luck involved. Jesus' words are powerful and true. Jesus can heal a boy in another city with a word. Jesus isn't just a healer, but he's God. And so the official and his household believe. Previously, the official believed that Jesus could heal, but now he believes in Jesus himself. And brothers and sisters, don't just marvel at what Jesus can do. Rather, like the official... Follow the sign to Jesus himself. If the official only marveled at Jesus' healing of his son, then sickness would come again, death would come again, and they would have no hope in it. But the official and his household followed the sign to believe in Jesus himself, and they were healed forever. That means that now they'll still experience sickness in this world, And though death may still come, but in that sickness and in that death, they have true hope that Jesus will one day rise them again into a creation where there is no more sickness. Imagine seeing a sign that said, turn around, cliff ahead. And you just saw that sign and kept on driving, saying, wow, there's a cliff ahead, and drove straight off the cliff 
that would, only a fool would do that. Don't be a fool and just marvel at what Jesus can do and continue on with your life. Rather, like the official, follow the sign to Jesus himself and be healed forever. That's our first encounter, a household healed forever. But in our second encounter, we see a paralytic healed, but remains broken. Verses 1 to 4 describe the situation. Jesus comes to a pool where there's a bunch of sick people waiting to get healed. And now if you've got a Bible, you'll notice that verse 4 is either missing or in brackets. And I'll read it for you because it's something rather odds going on here. In the brackets it says, While all these sick people were waiting around the pool, they were waiting for the moving of the water because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water. Then the first one who had got in the water got in after the water was stirred up, recovered from whatever ailment he had. And you'll notice that these verses are in brackets, and at the end of the brackets is a footnote. You follow that footnote to the bottom, and it says other manuscripts don't include this text. And you might be thinking at first, that's a bit concerning. There's a difference between the manuscripts and John's gospel. What's going on here? But the more you think about it, I think this is actually incredibly encouraging because you realize that our faith is rooted in history, that our Bible hasn't just popped out of the sky from nowhere, but actually it's rooted in history and that people have written down what Jesus has done. Many people, thousands of people. John wrote down this story and then other people copied it so that more people could hear about it. And for the New Testament, we have thousands of manuscripts. And there's amazing agreement between them about what the Bible says. However, thousands of manuscripts also mean that there's bound to be some mistakes. Humans, the copyists were human, and they can make mistakes. They aren't angels from heavens, but humans like I. John was like you and I. He saw Jesus, and he wrote down what he did. But we can compare these differences, and almost always what was originally written can be determined. And in the few places where it can't, nothing big stands on it. Nothing about Jesus, nothing about the history, no doctrinal or historical issue is at stake. And so as we look at our passage here again today, we can see that some manuscripts include verse 4. It seems like some people were trying to explain why so many sick people were sitting around this pool. It was trying to explain maybe why some people seem to get healed and some don't. As we look at this bracket and note, as they indicate, this verse probably wasn't written by John. John wasn't worried about if the pool healed people. He didn't care about the pool. What he cared about was Jesus and that Jesus healed people. And so that's what John focuses on, as we see in verse 5. In a sea of sick people, Jesus comes to one man. Verse 5, one man was there who had been sick for 38 years. John doesn't tell us the illness, but from verse 7, it seems clear that he's paralyzed. He's unable to walk, and he can't get himself into the pool. This man's been paralyzed for 38 years, unable to walk, completely helpless. And Jesus comes to him and asks the weirdest question. Look at verse 6. 
When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? What, a, what an outrageous question. Jesus knows this man has been sick for 38 years and he says, do you want to get well? Surely the answer is obvious. Yes, Jesus, I do want to get well. Can you please heal me? The problem is, this paralyzed man doesn't know who he's talking to. And so in verse 7, he starts talking about the pool again. He says, sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone else goes down ahead of me. But Jesus shows himself far greater than any magical pool or folk story. Verse 8, Jesus says, get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Miraculously, this man is instantly healed of his sickness. He starts to walk. When Jesus speaks, things happen instantly. It's amazing. I struggle to make anything happen with my words. So often at night I say, kids, let's put the toys away. And they run about and I'm left putting the toys away. I struggle to make things happen with my words. But when Jesus speaks... Nervous systems are restored. Muscle fibers grow. People experience this sign firsthand. A paralytic is healed of his paralysis. But the question is, how will people respond? Will they see what the sign is pointing to? And in verses 9 to 13, we see how the Jews respond. They start squabbling over their laws. But the real problem isn't whether a law has been broken. The real problem is how they respond to the sign. This man has been sick for 38 years, unable to walk. They should have said, wow, you've been healed. Praise God. How did that happen? But instead they squabble over whether he should be carrying his mat. It's almost sick when you think of it, how unwell this man was and their response. But unfortunately, this healed man doesn't respond any better. Look at verse 14. After this, Jesus found him in the temple complex and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse does not happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. The healed man finds out that it's Jesus who heals him. And instead of thanking him or believing in him like the official, like we saw before, he goes and reports to the Jews it was Jesus who healed him. The Jews who would eventually cry out for Jesus' crucifixion. What is this man doing? Is he just naive, unaware of the situation? Or is he a clear just betrayer like Judas, selling him out? It's hard to say for sure, but what we can say for sure is that he failed to see the sign. Jesus healed his sickness, but he failed to see God standing right in front of him. And this is an important point. Because people say, if God would just come down and do a miracle in front of me, then I'd believe in him. But people can see miracles and still reject God. We see that in our story here today. A man's been paralyzed for 38 years 
and he still fails to see who Jesus is. And brothers and sisters, Jesus doesn't offer us, or promise us rather, physical healing today. But he does offer spiritual healing. Have you accepted this healing? Is your trust in Jesus? If you've already put your trust in Jesus, are you continuing to trust in him? Because one day he promises that this spiritual healing will lead to complete physical healing in his renewed creation. It doesn't mean that we should brush over our sickness today. So often we try to find a silver lining in sickness. I know I often do it myself. Why not lament the sickness instead? Why not mourn the broken world we live in? Why We can only properly look forward to the new creation when we first properly mourn this broken creation. As we wrap up, um, Elizabeth, my wife, she made a fun little storybook photo album of Micah and myself for my Father's Day, for my first Father's Day present. Uh, the book's called uh, Micah Loves Dad. It's a great story coming to bookstores near you. Uh, get it for your Christmas gift. Maybe it's not so relevant for everyone, just for us, but we love it. It's a great little book. But partway through the book, there's a photo of Micah when he was sick in hospital, when he was first born. You'll see it come up on the screen here. Here's a photo of Micah. It might be a little bit hard to see, but that's me on the side. Uh, someone said I looked a little bit younger there. No, it was only three years ago, just parenthood. Um, but that photo was in the middle of this book. And when we were reading this book with Micah, you could see him become visibly angry. And he would pout. And he would say, I don't like that photo. And fair enough. No one likes being sick. But we'd continue reading the story. And each time we'd read the story, Micah's response to it would slowly change. Because he saw the end of the story. He saw that he was healed in the end. And so like Micah, we can joyfully mourn our sicknesses. Because we know how the story ends. God has told us in his word, God has shown us that he can heal every sickness through Jesus. Jesus heals a boy dying in a far-off city with just a word. And Jesus restores a paralytic who's been paralyzed for 38 years. Jesus can heal every sickness, and he promises to do that in the new creation where there'll be no more mourning or crying or pain. But the question for us today is, are we trusting in Jesus, the one who can heal our sicknesses forever. Let's pray to him now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus, our great healer. Thank you that he has come to do more than just heal our temporary sickness, but that he has come to heal us permanently. How fast if we haven't already to put our trust in Jesus. And Father, for those of us who have, help us to continue to put our trust in Jesus every day, looking forward to that day of the new creation where there will be no more mourning or crying or pain. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.